0: This week I promise not to talk over you when you try to do our intro. Well, we'll see how that works. All right, I'm ready. Are you ready?
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) Sorry, go ahead. I have to get back in my place now. My zone, if you will. Hello and welcome to Funny Books with
2: Aaron, Polly, Tim, and Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. And this is Tim. Good morning, guys. Whoa. It sure is a morning. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm actually awake and energetic for a change. Yeah, turn that crap
2: down. <laughs>
1: Wayne did a couple of lines of cocaine before coming onto the mic, so he is good to go.
2: <sighs> the question is if it was on a, off a hooker's ass or off her belly.
1: Well, just like a Malaysian pilot, that's how Wayne starts his day. <laughs>
0: uh, it's a good morning. <laughs> So, Aaron, sir, we've shared many things over the years. Malaysian hookers. Yes. Women, Uh
2: toothbrushes, needles.
0: (laughs) Um, And now, finally, after all this time, we can become iPad buddies.
1: Oh, my God. I'm so excited. We are going to FaceTime the fuck out of each other.
0: (laughs) You are going to regret that. (laughs) So you got your new iPad, huh? Yep, I got me an iPad Air yesterday. Um, I got one of those emails from Target. It it was uh, serendipitous because Target says, hey, 10% off all iPads, and you get a $30 gift card. And if you apply for a Target debit card, which just basically comes out of your checking account like your regular debit card, you get an additional 5% off. Wow, I mean, you're losing money not taking that deal. Well, I'm still spending money taking the deal, but (laughs)
2: (laughs) –
0: But but the deal was taken, and I have an iPad Air.
1: So have you read a comic book on it yet?
0: I have not, because I didn't want to, you know, because I figured once I started getting set up, I would get distracted. And I didn't start reading any of my comics until last night for today. Ah, okay. I didn't want to get distracted. I wanted to, you know, make sure I was ready for this morning's show. Uh-huh. But I, I will. I will in time for next week.
1: Okay. So you really haven't, you know, broken it in yet then?
0: No, not
3: yet.
1: Okay.
2: Well, he has watched porn on it already. <laughs> I was just gonna say, does rubbing one off count Is breaking it in? No. I I believe so.
0: Not until I get wow. the screen
2: protector, I like to call it the the Aaron Head" test. That's right. That's right. How we do that? <laughs> FaceTime. <laughs> did you Did you know the iPod Air is really good at chat roulette, Aaron? <laughs> hey, is it?
1: Is it? Well, I'm sure we'll get a full report on that from Paul next week. No
2: reason, I know. (laughs) Just heard. Read it on the internet somewhere.
1: How is the uh, – have you played with it at all? No, I really haven't. It's still in the box. Okay. I don't know how you can do that. I I mean, I I just come running home squealing and have to just peel into it. So I admire your self-restraint.
2: Well, I
0: spent a lot of money yesterday on commissions and stuff, so – so you were just emotionally exhausted when you got home? Yeah, I got home, and I just, you know, my wallet was crying, and I had to console it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yay for you, Paul. Yeah, yeah, it was a good day. Uh, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to messing with my iPad. I am. I'm a little disappointed because they did not have the 64 gig in stock. Um, but I oh, went with Scott, the 32.
1: Uh, that's not enough. you got to have the 64. 32 uh, is fine. No. Nah. It's hardly enough to put in your eye. <laughs>
3: Paul is not about the size. it's about He's
1: about what he's going to use it for. Mm, size matters. Just saying. Just saying. Mm. All righty. Well, that, that seems to have really gone into the toilet
0: pretty quick. Yeah, so. thanks for that,
1: Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, so we talked previously about the headshot that we had seen of the new Flash costume. Well, this week we got to see the entire Flash costume. Oh, what do awesome. you guys think?
3: I think the headshot was awesome. You seem disappointed, Wayne. I, I am. The costume looks fine. The costume is uh, great. It looks just like the Flash. The problem is in these images. If you'll notice, in most of them, the costume is really baggy and loose, and it makes it look like he's got tiny, scrawny little legs. It's like some of the some of the pictures look fine, but most
0: of them, he doesn't fill
3: out the costume.
0: I, don't know. I mean I, looking at the pictures and keep in mind the the images we we're, we're looking at are paparazzi photos, not photos yeah. not, not not with camera editing and things like that.
3: Yeah, it'll look much better on the show. but that's the that was my one comment when I saw it was I expected to be really excited like I was when I saw the mask. one or
1: two of the pictures looked good. other than that, it was all baggy. I actually kind of liked it. I, I liked how he he doesn't look like he's all ripped and steroidal, you know. I, I liked that, uh, you know, he looked a lot more lean, like a runner. Now, it probably should be a little bit more form-fitting in the legs anyway, Yeah, uh,
0: but uh, I liked what I saw. And maybe, you know, the, maybe the images we're looking at are not images where you see his legs in, legs in the show, you know. I mean, he looks like a runner. He looks slender and thin. And well, yeah, and I'm not—I have no problem with him being slender and thin. I
3: just think the costume should fit him better.
1: Yeah, and I think what Paul's saying is that you know, in the show, it's going to be very much like a uh, a Roadrunner cartoon, where you just see a big circle where his legs are.
0: You know, we're we're yeah. joking.
1: Is that
0: what you're saying, Paul? Still uh, images. <laughs> I mean, to a certain extent, yeah. I mean, I know we're joking about it, but, you know, there, there will probably be some type of special effect going on, maybe some lightning around the legs or something.
3: Yeah, I, so I'm still i really excited about the show. I can't wait to see him actually show up. I'm curious if they're going to bring him on to Arrow now. I know that was originally their plan, and they were going to do a backdoor pilot, but I'm not sure if that's still the plan or not. <laughs> I, I, I want to see him in I want to see him in costume moving because I want to see what the special effects are going to look like.
0: I'm just laughing because you said backdoor pilot. (laughs) That's
2: (laughs) that's Paul's second Twitter handle. Yeah, exactly. That's how a
0: Malaysian pilot starts his day. That's right. Backdoor pilot. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I mean, I think the images are fine. I, I, I will say it's kind of funny. I was not impressed with the officially released image. Um, I, I actually enjoyed some of the paparazzi photos more because you get a better look at the costume, I think. Yeah, um, But, I mean, it's, I, I, I think it's a good costume. It, it looks a little uh, like Ben Affleck's Daredevil costume. But, um. Yeah, someone else mentioned that, too. But, yeah, like, when he's moving,
3: like, jumping and things, it looks fine to me. It didn't look like it was baggy. It was just the first few images that they released that I thought looked really bad
2: yeah yeah I'm, I'm not sure it's legitimate but I kind of have a concern about a flash TV show why is that I, I just I think it's a hard it's a hard thing to write I think it, I think speed is kind of a hard thing to, to, to write into into your fiction I guess like I've never had a real big love for any of the flash like comic books so maybe it's just I'm not the audience for it but I don't know I, I remember fondly the the stuff from the late 80s. A little bit. I like that. I think that had to do with the guy who played him though. Oh, you're down with the television show. Yeah. yeah.
1: I job. mean I,
3: I think was they did a lot of speed stuff with uh, Smallville. And as many problems as Smallville had, they did a pretty good job of you know, showing the speed power, so I think they can do it decently.
0: Yeah, I mean I think it'll work. I mean you've got Jeff Johns on staff and he's you know, one of the he's one of the guys who does the flash right, so I'm, uh, I, 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 here's the thing, you know, everyone's saying, you know, it's the Flash series, the Flash series, they're really just filming the pilot right now, so if it sucks, we won't see it, <laughs> <laughs> uh, except for bootlegs. Yeah, uh, much like I, an Aquaman pilot. <laughs> yeah, uh, but, but I'm hopeful that it's good. Now, did you guys see the John Constantine images this week, too? I did, and it, he looks almost exactly like the comic book. He really does. I mean, I don't know who this guy is, but he looks exactly like John Constantine.
3: So he doesn't look like Nicolas Cage? No. What's <laughs> he supposed to look like, Nicolas Cage? Well, Nicolas Cage played Constantine in the movie. That was, uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Was, was it Keanu? That was Keanu, yeah. Ah. Can you tell I haven't seen the movie? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just assumed, you know, bad actor playing a, uh... Actually, I I like
1: Nicolas Cage. He just always plays Nicolas Cage.
3: But I just assume, you know, bad movie is probably Nicolas
1: Cage. I'm more of a supernatural artifact protector.
2: (laughs) I love it. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I thought
1: the
0: images from the Constantine – Constantine set looked pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, DC had a pretty big week this, you know, considering Marvel's been kind of taking a lot of the news lately. Uh, you know, DC had, they announced, they showed Constantine, they showed uh, some images, like promo art and a lot, you know, some plot information from Gotham. Um, it was a big week for DC Entertainment.
1: I'm ready for a, uh, a a big saga announcement for, you know, a motion picture. I would keep waiting on that one.
0: Yeah, I don't it's see gonna, that
1: happening. It's going to happen. You're going to see that big giant ball thing walking around on on, on a uh, on a 3D you know IMAX screen. 3D
0: IMAX Bukaki. Awesome. Yeah, that's right. Looking that's forward right. to that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know who had a bigger week than that? Who, Paul? Wayne.
2: Any anybody spent just money on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: So. A little while back, Fear the Boot put the call out on the forums for anyone that was interested in writing short stories for an anthology, and we actually finished it and put it out there, and it's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You can go into a bookstore and ask for it. It's on all of the, uh, all the various digital markets, and I am geeking out to hold my copy of Sojourn, an Anthology of Speculative Fiction that has my name in it, physical print book that I have actually have three copies and I have memorized that my story starts on page 129, which means I'm probably geeking out about it a little too much, but this thing is really taking off and there's a lot of great stories in it. So I want to get the word out everywhere that this thing is available. Well, everywhere. And uh, it's a great first step and just getting out there and, seeing how far we can go with this short story anthology so it's called sojourn yep sojourn an anthology of speculative fiction 15 different short stories by 15 different writers all of them are either from the fear the boot community or people that fear the boot has interviewed so we've got like uh, professionals like matt forback and james louder both have stories in here my story is a uh it's called sick day and it's Basically about, uh, what if an alien society had Earth otaku? So people just obsessed with Earth science fiction and Earth stories and learning the language. And I went very light and fun with my story. Sounds like a lot of fun, Wayne. It, It is. I am really, that's probably why I'm so energetic this morning. You have no idea how much I'm geeking out to be holding a physical copy of a book that has my name in it multiple
2: places. If it's speculative fiction, does that mean it could be fiction?
3: (laughs) Speculative fiction has been a new buzzword slash catchphrase for sci-fi and fantasy for a while. Because apparently people don't like to say sci-fi and fantasy anymore. Uh, But it covers anything sci-fi or fantasy.
0: So, Wayne. Yes. How's how's the groupie situation going?
3: Uh, I've already had people ask me to sign the book. Does that count? Has anyone asked you to sign their boobs? Not a dude. <laughs> oh, not a dude. No, not yet. Uh, so Fear the Con's coming up, and yeah, uh, you know, there's. I have I hope that it might
1: happen there. Very exciting. Very exciting. Well, we'll cross our fingers for you. And
3: Paul, I would be happy to sign your boobs at Fear the Con. Sweet, oh, I'll shave.
1: <laughs> Just
3: clear a little um, acreage is, on your
1: chest for him. Yeah.
3: I'll be disappointed if you shave. <laughs>
1: oh, <ooh>. uh,
0: <laughs>
1: So I think that uh, anyone who's a regular listener to this show knows that Tim suffers from low T. So, so Tim, I understand you're getting a testosterone shot.
2: So – this is the classic making lemons into lemonade situation. Uh-huh. So a uh, friend of the podcast, Wade, decided that he wanted to spend his weekend, instead of actually doing d d with his friends, on double XP Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic online uh-huh. weekend. And so we said, what's the worst thing we can do to, and not include Wayne or, uh, Wade in on? And so we're getting together today, and we're going to go see 300 Rise of an Empire. <laughs> it's going to be so goddamn good. Listen, I I had a friend, I had a friend and she's like, "Why can't I go?" I said, "Because you have ovaries and you can't go in the theater with ovaries in that movie." I'm so happy. <laughs> I I love 300. I was I I wanted to go out and like kick a car after seeing the first one. <laughs> so after seeing the second one, I might have to take over the the snack bar for Sparta. Do it. You, you know, I never saw the first one. Oh, my God. That explains a lot. Oh, my God. (laughs) I have seen the Lego movie in theaters twice, though. That's terrible in a lot of ways. No. it. uh, I I can't even describe. Paul, you've seen 300. And I've seen the new 300 as well.
0: Is it good? Okay. Oh, Oh, wait. We don't want to.
2: Oh, is it good? Okay. It is so so goddamn good. And evergreen.
0: Oh, so good.
2: It, it can't not be good, because it knows what it is. It's heavy metal for an hour and a half. Yeah, it is <laughs> I mean, just as
0: good as the original, I think.
2: Really? So, yeah. Wow. So I really enjoyed the first one.
0: Yeah. In, in some ways, I actually like it more than the original. Huh. Uh, huh. You know, it, it's got a little bit more focus on multiple characters than just, you know, the 300. It's, you know, it's a larger scale. There's a lot of, uh, um, like, naval warfare. <laughs> like, like belly button warfare. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's what
2: I thought too, when you said it, <laughs>
0: because that would be
2: awesome. <laughs> so like you're, you're mixing 300 with like pirates now. Oh my <laughs> God. So,
1: so, you know, the, the big catchphrase from, uh, from the first movie was
0: this is Sparta.
1: So in this movie, th- is there someone who
2: says
0: this also is Sparta?
2: Um, Maybe
0: I swear to
2: God, every time I think of that scene, I want to wait until I get a Jehovah's Witness at my door and say, say, this is Sparta, and kick him out the door. I like it. I, uh, now, so, yes.
1: so uh, Tim, I, 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 I thought about you when uh, I heard about this, but we're actually here in town going to have uh, dragon boat races, you know, like a, actual Viking dragon boats, you know?
2: Like, and, like in the desert?
1: <laughs> no, Al, on the lake. On the lake. A lake? Yeah. We well, we we we're, we're a land of lakes. We have we we are bountiful with lakes.
2: Oh, that's exactly what I think of. When I think of Texas. Yeah, like there are many, many lakes. Okay, most of, the, most, most, of most by Lake
1: most, you mean Gulf of Mexico because I thought that was the only water in Texas. <laughs> no, we have, we have lakes. Most of them are dry, but uh, yeah, we do have lakes. The occasional lake. Anyway, <laughs> um, the the what they do is they they provide you the dragon boat. And then you put together a team of rowers. And so at work, you know, we were talking about it and, you know, the, everyone's like, well, this would be a great leadership team, uh, thing. We should, all the leadership teams should do this. And I'm like, yes, yes, we should totally do this. But if we're doing it, we're going to biking this thing up. When we get to the other side, there will be burning, there will be pillaging. We will crush our enemies, see them driven before us, and we will hear the lamentation of their women. It was at that point that we decided that we wouldn't. <laughs>
2: the business memo, anything mentioning the word that rhymes with jeep. (laughs) Good job, Aaron. I know those classes, those sensitivity classes are starting to pay off now. You're a good man. Yeah.
3: But I I don't know what you're talking about, Tim. Are you saying that he can't say the word cape? Right. That's correct. No capes.
2: Well, he has a cape in his office. I do. That's that's my work cape.
0: (laughs) Oh, Aaron. What? Aaron just Aaron's one of those people that just wants to lose his job, but can't, so he just tries to come up with shit. He tries so hard. I, I, you get an A for effort, Aaron.
2: I don't want you to lose your job, but I want you to lose your job every other Thursday at 5 o'clock.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just briefly unemployed, right?
2: Briefly. like They come to call you back on Friday and be like, yeah.
1: Come on, man. We were just
2: kidding around.
3: You know, Aaron, ever since you told us the story a, a while back about uh, one of your comments in the elevator to a female employee of another company, every time I get in an elevator, immediately what pops in my mind is the phrase, mama like.
1: Yes. Yeah. Baby likes what she sees.
3: You know,
2: yeah. <laughs> I think I think you should do the dragon boats, Aaron, and I think you should do it exactly like three hundred, shirtless and in like boy shorts. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Bitch. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm down for
1: that.
0: Well the problem is he suggested the entire leadership team do it as well. <laughs>
2: It didn't happen. That's all I want to say.
0: Yeah, you need to be FaceTiming
3: with Paul while you're doing it. You just have somebody, some intern sitting in front of you, holding the iPad up while you're grunting as you're, you know.
1: Where are we going with this podcast today?
0: What is (laughs) wrong with
2: (laughs)
1: you guys? (laughs) Tim, are you watching Vikings this season?
2: You you need me to watch it so we can talk about it. That
1: is exactly correct. Okay. Because I know that you're a big Floki fan, so, you know.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, lot,
1: there's lots of good Floki action in this uh, in this season. I need to watch.
2: Okay, I yeah. will. I will prep for that in in two weeks time. Here. Very good. This Floki. Right. Floki is uh, one of the characters in Vikings. I'm I'm googling this right now. Did you Did you see the first season, Paul? I did not. <sighs> It's sons, of,
1: it's sons of Anarchy in Viking boats.
2: And that's why nobody else watches it, because everybody is a big failure in here, and I swear to God. Nobody <laughs> watches Sons of Anarchy with us. Nobody watches Vikings with us. I have say, I haven't, uh, seen, I haven't I, seen
3: Sons of Anarchy either.
2: Wayne hasn't seen 300. I swear to God, everybody's a girl but me and you.
1: I, you know, I, I and it, it is uh, that that comparison is even more striking when you look at the the, the main character, you know, Ragnar, because
2: he is so jacks.
1: Oh, yeah. You know. It's it's such a good show.
2: I'll check it out. All right. Bye. Twist your arm, Paul. Oh, <laughs> I gotta do something good. Oh no. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean if it doesn't if I don't like it, Aaron and I's rivalry will start. That's right. Any day. <laughs> just remember you're the guy
1: that winds up in the wheelchair. Just saying. <laughs> I'm not sure I agree with this. I, 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 I <laughs> it doesn't why matter. hasn't happened yet. It it doesn't matter that you agree. It's what's happening, Paul. <laughs> Uh, Either that or a rascal. You could just wind up in a you know not not have the cool wheelchair like Doctor uh, Professor X, but you know just a rascal.
2: But by the way, scientifically proven that the mansion does have of an elevator so that Charlie can get around. Just so you know,
0: <laughs> I, now, I, I do like rascals.
2: Well, but Paul will have one of those little chairs that goes up the stairs and takes ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's only obnoxious. <laughs>
1: <laughs> ah. Ah, so, I don't know why
2: that tipped me so. Because <laughs> you're a, a horrible person. Because <laughs> you saw it in your head. You, ee, 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 and he's moving like an inch an hour. Well, and, he, and he's like, and it, it'll
1: be right after he's had the big, you know, good day, sir. Well, Paul, I said good day. And then. <laughs> and then,
2: and halfway, up, halfway up, he's having the thought, I really have to go to the bathroom. Do I just <laughs> let <laughs> it go in the grampers? Or can I get up the
0: <sighs> Aaron's Enjoy going to it, take Paul. a fight with me just to make sure this happens. <laughs> <laughs> it's
3: going to create a rivalry of sorts? Uh, oh, a
0: rivalry. Yeah, exactly.
1: It's East Coast, West Coast. Kind of like DC Comics. Yeah, exactly. At Dan
0: DiDio, Jeff Johns rivalry. It's heating up, Paul. You know, it's funny because I haven't heard much about this. Um, but there was this article this week on Bleeding Cool, which, you know, is it reliable? Some people say yes, some people say no. Um, But, you know, they have a lot of inside sources, and they kind of say there's this Dan DiDio-Jeff Johns rivalry, Dan DiDio being the East Coast, um, Jeff Johns being the West Coast, and, like, really kind of just this different way of running things. You know, Dan DiDio's side of things is, you know, there's the DiDio books and the Johns books, and the DiDio books are the ones that like have so many last minute changes and a lot of editorial mandate, you know, change for the, you know, for changes sake, um, where it's Jeff John's books are the books. Yeah. Are the ones that, you know, are a little bit more backward thinking, nostalgic, um, stuff like that. So you're getting situations like, um, there was a situation that recently happened where the teen Titans were, I don't know, they were relocated in the teen Titans book, but then in a book, Jeff Johns wrote, they were back in San Francisco. And so you're getting, you know, not meshing continuity because they're doing things the way they want to do them and the way things that they want to do them are different. Um, And, you know, so like Superman Wonder Woman, I believe, is a Jeff
2: Johns
0: book. But, you know, I mean, like, I mean, there's just a lot of different things going on um, that are causing issues in the DC world.
1: Well, and I think one of those things that we saw recently is that, uh, is it Superman is a DiDio book. But it's about to come into the house of Jeff Johns, and it looks like they're going to immediately unravel a lot of the stuff that Scott Liddell and DiDio had put into place.
2: Which I'm okay with. The technical term for that is unsucking.
1: Exactly. They're going to unsuck the book. Yeah, I mean,
3: He's like one take of
2: the on it and try to get out of <laughs> the bad stuff. Yeah,
3: also, I know the very, one of the very first things they're going to do is offer Clark his job back at the Daily Planet. Yeah. And I didn't mind him leaving the Daily Planet, but. It went nowhere. Also, it. Yeah. It's like the idea, the concept had some merit to it, except they did nothing with it. Well, they created ClarkCatropolis.com. <laughs> I, I just don't see Clark ever taking part in that. Just for the name alone.
0: (laughs) Which, I mean, does kind of explain the difference in the Superman-Wonder Woman interpretation of Doomsday versus, you know, other books that, you know, like, has Doomsday come out? You know, has Doomsday been there or not? You know, there's just a lot of discrepancies in their continuity.
3: Like the fact that he actually mentioned at one point that he had never been uh, that that scared since he fought Doomsday – and then after that, he had never seen Doomsday in the yeah. other book? Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: no, it, it really does explain those inconsistencies now. Because, I mean, that was one of those things like I don't understand where we are in this story based on things Superman has said. And the thing to remember is that the Superman who's talking is not the same Superman. Because you've got Didio Superman versus John Superman. Which is, you know,
0: this whole thing is very interesting to me. Because Dan DiDio is a co-publisher. Jeff Johnson's chief creative officer. You know, right. the, the other co-publisher is Jim Lee, and he's... I mean, I don't know which side he's on, if any. Um, you know, so it's it's interesting that, you know, they're not exactly like co-publisher versus co-publisher. I guess Jeff Johns is just over the West Coast office.
1: Uh, and, I, and I think I don't have a good grasp of what DiDio does versus what Johns does. I mean, I understand that they each have their own segments of the company. But, you know, if I am, you know, overseeing DC Comics – you know, from a senior executive level, and I'm seeing, you know, the inconsistencies between these two camps. I think I would say we need to move it up under one guy. You know, it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense that you've got, you know, a a chunk of books over here under Jeff Johns and a chunk of books over there under Dan Didio, and it's causing inconsistencies across your brand.
0: Well, honestly,
3: B- as long as they're selling, I don't think they care about the inconsistencies. Yeah, but here's the thing.
0: I mean. The East Coast office of D.C. is closing. You know, they're going entirely to California. Right. You know. Uh, oh, you
2: didn't say it right. They're going, which side?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what that means for the whole, you know, for how this is going to work. Because, I mean, you know, Jeff Johns, does he, I mean, does he, is he over a bunch of books? Or is, you know, are these just Jeff Johns written books? You know, because I, I wouldn't be able to tell you which books are more associated with Jeff Johns besides the one he writes. Forever Evil. Yeah. 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 Maybe the Jeff Lanier books, too. I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's a very interesting, and it, but it does sound like it is causing yeah, I don't know. in-house issues.
2: As a solution, Dan DiDio moves in with Jeff Johns. They have hate sex, and they work it out.
1: <laughs> I, I I think that would be good. I think that yeah. would be good, and productive.
2: Cleansing. Yes. work for us. Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> absolutely. So, well, well, you know, speaking of Dan DiDio, there was an announcement this week that there is a new book coming to the DC universe called Infinity Man and the Forever People written by Dan DiDio art by Keith Giffen. Now, let me ask you a question, Paul. Yes, sir.
1: Because I have read a couple of Dan DiDio written books and I have found them to be quite unpleasant. Um, is there, can you point me to a good Dan DiDio
0: written book? I actually quite liked OMAC, which was Dan DiDio and Keith Giffen. Um, other than that, I've not really read. A, much. Can you think of something else, something yeah, that I, maybe didn't suck? Yeah, <laughs> I did not care for Mac myself. See, I liked Omec and that's yeah. the same creative team because Keith Giffen was. Uh, and I love, I cool. love Keith Giffen.
1: I love Keith Giffen, but I am, I am just not. I, I, cannot think of a single didio written book that I've liked.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't read the Phantom Stranger. Um, I didn't care for the first issue of Challengers of the Unknown. I didn't read it when he wrote The Outsiders. So yeah, I haven't read much of this are, stuff. Those are all
1: books that I've really enjoyed under other people. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm a huge Outsiders fan. I'm a huge Challengers of the Unknown fan, like when Jeff Loeb was writing that, mm-hmm. um, you know, and when uh, uh, Judd Winnick was writing The Outsiders. Mm-hmm. You know, those were fantastic books, but every time I've seen the title, I've hated it. Um, and I actually I actually kind of like Dan DiDio, so I know it's not a personality conflict
0: that I have with him. Um, it's just I don't care for his style of writing. Yeah, you know what's funny? I, I don't necessarily agree with his way of doing things, but I kind of do like Dan DiDio. Yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, he
1: has ushered, much like uh, Joe Casada. Over at Marvel, he ushered DC into a uh, into a, a a a grand state. You mm-hmm. know, he 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 really brought a lot of energy and talent over to the company. So I mean, I know he he can often be contentious, but he's done some amazing things in terms of management.
0: Yeah, for every bad decision he's made, he's made just as many good decisions.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, fifty two. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, he, he's done some great stuff. I mean, he brought Brad Meltzer to DC Comics to write uh, Identity Crisis. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he's done some amazing things, and
0: uh, I really do applaud and admire him for that. I just don't think he's much of a writer. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, other than Omak, which I, it sounds like we just have differing opinions on, I, I haven't read anything. I enjoyed OMAC. I love Keith Giffen art, and I, like, and I love Keith Giffen art because it's so Kirby-esque. Yeah. And so when you tell me Keith Giffen is drawing a book about the Infinity Man and the Forever People... I, I have to at least give it a shot. Yeah. I'm just disappointed because I would love to see that book, um, but by,
1: you know, a, a different writer. I don't know why Keith Giffen so, doesn't write it.
2: Is, it's this
3: right a, is this a new character or just somebody that I don't know?
1: It's from Jack Kirby's Fourth World. It's stuff that Kirby was doing back in the 70s with DC. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, I never got into the uh, the Fourth World stuff too much.
3: And you're missing out.
1: And I'm with you, Paul. I don't understand why, why Giffen's just not doing the entire project because he certainly has a, an appreciation and a handle on the Kirby characters. I mean, we've seen that just year over year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 and maybe we'll luck out. Maybe Dedio is just pitching story ideas and Giffen's going to really do most of the scripting and the, and, and the other storytelling parts of the book. Um, we can hope for that.
0: Yeah. Well, here's the uh, the, the premise is that four of the best students from New Genesis arrive on Earth to study and aid in the advancement in, in excuse me in the advancement of humanity, but they soon discover a darker purpose to their mission, a threat so great that it br- may bring the multiverse itself to its knees. The only thing that stands between them and total destruction is the mysterious entity known as the Infinity Man. Um, I, mean, I, I, I I'm I'm a sucker for anything New Genesis and Fourth World, and I, I've missed that. From the new fifty-two, so looking forward to it.
2: Does he have the infinity symbol on his on his chest? No. Does he drive an infinity?
0: He drives an infinity.
2: Okay. Yeah. I was I was about to say it falls advertising. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Infinity Man with an I instead of a Y. Exactly. Good deal. Good deal.
0: <laughs> so moving into this week's comic books, what well, we're going to talk about comics? We don't have to. Thanks everybody. End of show.
1: Can we can we talk more about you uh, you know being
2: disabled? <laughs> I <would> prefer not. <laughs> talk about can we talk about Texas Viking boats some more.
1: Uh, we can. Sweet.
2: Sweet. Can Paul
3: get the double amputee this year? When you yeah. <laughs> a little child shall eat them.
2: Done.
1: It, it would make the rest of us happy, and particularly me, because <laughs> it means I wouldn't be
0: one. You'd be the quadruple amputee, Wayne. We, I, I can accommodate your request,
2: Wayne. What? Wayne's going to be the hot girl that we know is not going to make it. <laughs> I, I'm fine with that. <laughs> so all new X-Men number 24 came out this week. I Aren't, see yet again that you cannot get your Guardians of the Galaxy out of my X-Men book, Paul.
0: And This is the last issue. I mean, there's one more issue in the crossover, but this is the last issue of all new X-Men that is going to be invading your book, Tim. Oh, thank God. So, part five of six of The Trial of Jean Grey, uh, written by Bendis, art by Stuart Amonin, and Von Grau Badger. What What'd you guys think? Uh, I mean, the artwork is just beautiful in this book.
3: This has been my favorite issue of the
2: crossover so far. I hate this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, why do you hate it? Okay, I agree that I love Stuart Amonin' artwork. I think that, that we can say that clearly. Why do we need the Starjammers and the Guardians of the Galaxy in this book? I, if it was me, if it was just my thought, you could have a three-issue episode issue with the Starjammers, and there'd be plenty there to explore. I think when you throw in Guardians of the Galaxy and the Starjammers, you muddy up a lot of the character moments that you can have.
0: Well, and I do agree that the book is overfull, and I think this is set up. Uh, and I don't know if you knew this, Tim, because I, I didn't know it until a couple days ago. Um, they there's a new Cyclops solo book coming out, starring the young Cyclops on adventures with the star jammers so i think they are setting up you know the, the, that book with cyclops staying in space with his dad and going on adventures
1: huh and I, i'm really looking forward to that book yeah written by Greg rucka yeah no i'm, I'm really looking forward to that book
2: i you know I, i'm getting a little batman and son out of that yeah and space pirates i know right mm-hmm. yeah. That's, that i've good. always
0: liked the star jammers I will absolutely be picking up at least the first issue. I mean, I love the concept. You know, you've got young Cyclops, and, you know, the the best character moments in this crossover have been between, you know, Cyclops and his dad, I feel. The only thing that, that, I mean, I'm really enjoying
1: this book, and, you know, Stuart Amonin drawing, you know, uh, the Shi'ar characters and the Starjammers and the X-Men and Guardians of the Galaxy just really throws me back to when he was drawing Legion of Superheroes. Uh, you know which i really enjoyed his work on that book um the only thing that bugs me about the book is that i don't understand why uh uh gladiator is acting the way he is because he's never been portrayed as you know inflexible or you know uh, uh stupid or
3: i would cruel. say he's been he has been inflexible when he's Given a command, but right. it's about duty. But I have the same problem with him in this book. Is he seems to have a lot of power? He's in charge, so it's not a matter of he's been told to do this. Right? I don't. I've never seen him portrayed like this. When did he go hunt down Jean Gray's family and kill them?
1: That happened in a story sometime back.
3: Yeah, I, I hadn't read that. I didn't know that happened. So apparently, he has narrow vision when it comes to the Phoenix. And I didn't realize that. I'm not used to seeing Gladiator as just an outright bad guy. Yeah. He's usually a bad guy only because he's under orders and he doesn't want to do it. In this case, it's just him actually, you know, in charge, pushing it. Yeah, and it just makes no sense to put somebody on trial for a crime they have not yet committed. This was the uh, the first issue that I actually liked having X-23 in. And it was uh, purely for the one comment... Okay, mysterious teenager who I just now noticed is part of the group.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that alone sold me on it. Well, and I, I think Stuart Amonin does a, a terrific job drawing her. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen her drawn better than in yeah. this book. Yeah, I dig it. And I, again, intensely excited about the Cyclops Starjammers book coming up.
3: Yeah, and, so this is this is definitely my favorite issue of the crossover so far.
1: And what I like about taking you know young Cyclops into space while you know uh, one would think the rest of the guys go back home to Earth is that it, it clears the deck for old Cyclops or you know current day Cyclops to hit that on the uh, you know oh, no. Jean Grey. So just saying. Oh, and with with Emma there too because we Emma hates her. Yeah, but you know, some kind of little cyclops sandwich going on there.
0: Yeah. I'd read it.
1: Stuff. Yeah oh yeah. No, I need to see a mini series about that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think we and need to said, step it, on Seyich on the art though.
1: And it'll be, you know, it'll be Cyclops co- 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 colon tapping that. <laughs> Can we get it written by the people that wrote saga? Oh
0: yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Uh, <laughs> you betcha. <laughs> so sticking with space action, we're going to...
1: Space!
0: Space! Um, actually, before we talk about this book, did any of you guys see Cosmos last week? Um, I have it on my DVR. I have not watched it yet. It is Iron's
1: answer. I have never heard of it. It is really, like ever? It's the Neil deGrasse Tyson uh, update of Carl Sagan's Cosmos.
3: Yeah, not familiar at all. Wow.
1: Okay.
0: It's uh, it's it's the history of the universe is basically the best way to describe it. And if you don't know who Neil deGrasse Tyson is, uh, to put to, to, to bring it back to comic books, he's the guy who just, who who made it a point to find out where Krypton was in the real universe. Um, and he guest started an issue of Action Comics like a year or two back. Um, and you know he helped Superman see when the sun exploded and just a big thing. Um, but I, it's it is so good. Um, the new Cosmos. I really recommend checking it out. And I, I love the old Cosmos
1: too. And that that streams on Netflix. If you need to see, if you need to, you know, get your Carl Sagan on.
0: Yeah. It's just so fascinating. I mean, it, it's and you know Neil deGrasse Tyson is really just an interesting guy. Yeah. Um, but anyway, going back to the space action. Starlight Number One came out last week, written by Mark Millar. Oh, excuse me, Mark Miller with Ort, but with ort Art.
2: <laughs> no, I want to know who does the Ort. Paul. Yeah, no, art, the
1: the Ort on this is amazing. The Ortist, <laughs> the Ortist of the Mark Millar book. <laughs> God, you you're kind of a retard, aren't you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, words are hard um, <laughs> is, The art on it is by Goran Parlov And kills it Oh, it's such Jeez. a beautiful book Kills it
1: And this is this is um, It is very Flash Gordon-esque um, You know, very It has that very 1930s You know, pulp feel to it Um and, you know, I'm not a big Mark Miller fan anymore. Um, I find him irritating. I love the
0: hell out of this book. You know, Mark Miller used to write some really great stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I loved the guy when he was, you know, writing Superman and stuff like uh-huh. years ago. And then he turned yeah. into an asshole, and it came out in his writing. Absolutely. But this book really just kind of goes back to the Mark Miller stuff that I loved because it's really heartfelt. Yeah. Um, great, you know, character. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like, like you said, you know, it's Flash Gordon meets The Dark Knight Returns, basically. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's, it's this guy who had a Flash Gordon-like adventure and then returns to Earth and it's the aging hero. And he thinks back on his days as this Flash Gordon-like character. And, of course, he – no one believes that he had this, this journey. So his, his uh, you know, experience in the Flash Gordon-verse, for absence of a better term um, – is very much like John Carter, where you know he gets sucked into this alternate world, and then comes back. And uh, I, I just, it is so good. And there's that scene uh, that just really broke my heart in the book. And it's you know after his, uh, it's been a year since his wife died, and he's got this big family event planned, and all of his sons stand him up, you know, and he's mm-hmm. just. He's like, you know, hey guys, don't worry about. It. I know you got things going on. It's no trouble at all. And it's, you know, he's like, I didn't go to any trouble. And the cutaway is, he set this beautiful table with bottles of wine and candles, and um, he's folded the napkins. I mean, just this banquet feast that he's prepared for his sons and their wives, and he's there all by himself. I mean, it just it, it the, the build up to that scene was
0: was so expertly done. It did. It just broke my heart. Agreed. I mean, it's it's such a great stuff. So, um, you know, came out from Image Comics last week. You know, you know, Mark Miller. He writes a lot of books with eyes towards making movies out of them. I, I could kind of see a Liam Neeson movie, based on this, or with you know, I, I, I just it, it, it's such a visual beast with the Goran Parlov art. You just kind of see a movie while you're reading it. I did anyway. I loved it. I just I, I I thought it was fantastic, and you know I,
1: I love Flash Gordon and the Flash Gordon comics that we have gotten recently. Uh, what from?
0: What was the publisher? Arden Publishing. Oh God. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't say it that way because they were very kind to us, but they were terrible fucking. books.
1: Yeah, they were not. They were not good. I mean, they 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 certainly had some interesting art direction, but uh, the books weren't good. But I saw this week, Paul, that Jeff Parker and Doc Shaner are doing.
0: Flash Gordon book. Yes, they are. And Doc Shanners, if you don't know, he's the guy who just did uh, the art on the Ron Mars Adventures of Superman book. Uh uh-huh. huh. Um, Love that guy's art. Yeah. No, it's fantastic. It's fantastic.
1: And, and I, so I'm loving this, and you know, I'm hoping that uh, Mark Miller can can keep it up. You know, because I, I'm totally digging it. And you know, I know that a lot of what Mark Miller writes these days it seems to be intended for Hollywood. I'd watch this movie. Absolutely. Um, so I, I'm excited about it. And I'm also very much looking forward to Jeff Parker and Doc Shainer's Flash Gordon from Dynamite
0: Comics, which is due out next month. Yeah, I'll be picking it up with you, Aaron. Yeah. So for Marvel this week, Superior Spider-Man number 29 continues the Goblin Nation storyline, uh, which features, you know, uh, Spider-Man, Dr. Octopus, Spock, you know, against the forces of the Green Goblin. And, you know, the Green Goblin has attacked Dr. Octopus on a personal level. And so, Tim, what would you think of this book?
2: This book was a little rough. Um, I I guess maybe it's just me. I never thought of the Green Goblin as this competent, the way they're writing him in this series.
3: Oh, I, I have. I've, uh, I've actually missed seeing him be this competent because this was uh, – he used to methodically just take Peter apart and make his life a living hell to the point where you thought there was no way he could get around it. And this was after his, uh, after his return from the debt. But he's, he hasn't been like this in a while.
2: I just get the feeling that they're selling Ak a little short. Like, after this whole series when he's been in control, that happens where the scene where uh, Green Goblin basically blows up everything that Ock ever built and we knew that that was one of the things that tri- tripped him off about Peter is that every time he built something he thought in his head Peter broke it down so he'd never have a legacy I I don't know I think that was if the point of this, this this issue is is the uh, the falling down moment of uh, mm-hmm. Otto but that's a little rough I, uh, i no. oh, go ahead,
3: Wayne. I, uh, I loved it, and the main reason I love the issue is the last half of it when 2099 shows up. He was the highlight of this book for me, this issue at least. And I've always really liked the character, but I like that he shows up, that he's, you know, has a way to shut these things down, and that he knows that there's something wrong with him. Like, all of these characters that should have realized there's something off with spider-man or there's something off with peter and nobody seems to be able to get it and 2099 gets it right away knows that there's something off and i i really enjoyed that and i did enjoy seeing it uh, turn against him. but yeah 2099 finally showing back up in the book and having uh, such a you know
0: basically see right through it was just great for me I enjoyed seeing Spider-Man 2099 in the book. I did. And and like Wayne, that was probably my favorite part of the book, but the rest of the book I'm, I'm met on, you know, I've been met on this whole goblin nation storyline. I'm not, I don't get out of it the emotional weight that I think they want me to get out of it. Um, it just doesn't feel like it feels like a lot of explosions. Um, and you know, here's the thing. I read a lot of books this week that featured New York or some type of city just destroyed. Um, you know, there was this one, there was Batman, and then there was Fantastic Four, which we'll talk about here in a bit. And they just, all three books were basically, let's destroy an entire city. And so, I don't know, but I think maybe by the time I got to this, I was just fatigued on it, but I'm just not getting the emotional resonance that I think, you know, like when they killed Lamas, I'm like, eh, you know, or excuse me, spoilers. <laughs> um, you know, but, you know, but when he blew up all of Ox, you know, previous things, this is the house where you grew up, this is the blah, blah, blah. I was, eh. You know, and then they show Peter is still traveling through the mindscape, which is like, fucking really already? Uh, yeah. You know, just hurry up. Uh, because, you know, at this point, he's basically now he's taking on Dr. Octopus's mindset and he hates Spider-Man. And it's
2: all like, well, eh. well, they're, set, they're, they're setting it up. They're setting up the Anna Marie off the bridge. thing. That's exactly what they're doing. So like that, this is the, the, the you know, they're building up to the, the ultimate F you. I and I, I, I think if that happens, I don't see how anybody that's been a fan of this book doesn't, like, get crushed. And if that happens, then
0: sure, I'll, then then, I, then that will buy me into the storyline, but I, I just – this issue just didn't do it for me.
1: I, I, I got to tell you, I had this feeling that they goblin Anna Marie this issue, you know, because there, there was that moment where the goblin was talking about, uh, uh, well, you know, I'll make you
0: another monster. Oh, you know, I almost spit on my water when you said that because I had, you know, the image of the midget goblin. (laughs) (laughs) We are really inappropriate this week. Uh, We've turned
1: our inappropriateness up to 11.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Those are my favorite episodes.
1: (laughs) But yeah, I mean, that that was kind of what I had... When, when, you know, there's that moment where, I forget what the other goblin lady's name is, but, you know, she said, she was like, hey, you know, what if we lose Carly? And he's like, oh, I'll make you another. And, of course, you know, you got Anna Marie there in that panel, and I'm like, hmm.
3: So what did you guys think of the artwork? Loved it.
1: Yeah, artwork I, I,
3: I haven't seen the goblin drawn this well in a long time. I, I think this guy does an excellent job with the goblin, with Spider Man, with Spider Man twenty ninety nine, I, uh, I mean, everyone knows how I feel about, uh, you know, about the art throughout Spider Man, for a while now.
1: That you so, like yeah, it. yeah,
3: <laughs> so, so yeah. Nice. I like this artist. I mean, I don't think that uh, every panel is, you know, through the roof good. But some of the yeah, the goblin things are really well done, and he especially does in costume well. There were some
1: moments where the goblin looked a little feminine to me.
0: Yes, absolutely. And the artist we're referring to is Giuseppe Camigli. Um, I, I, but I agree with you, Aaron. I just
3: didn't
1: want to try to pronounce that last
0: name. <laughs> I probably did it wrong. But I think it's the eyelashes.
1: Gob- well, and the lips. The, the lips are, are very – like there's that one scene where uh, the goblin is wiping tears from his eye. Um, and the yeah, lip, I, I, That's why you think he's feminine, right, Aaron? Because you believe that real men don't cry. That's right. Um, but, I mean, the lips just look very woman-esque, you know? Well, is it
0: possible that it's intentional? Maybe the and goblin that's, is a woman.
1: That's what I'm wondering is, you know, because we've not seen the goblin without the mask – Uh, in this storyline, and and while, you know, uh, there's certainly a lot of Norman Osborn reference, you know, it's never been, you know, explicitly stated that this is Norman Osborn.
3: They're going so out of their way to push that it's Norman without actually showing it that there's no way this is Norman. Is it possible it's Liz Allen? Yeah. That's what I'm wondering.
2: Just because of what happened to the Spider-Slayers at the end of this.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I hadn't even thought about that, and that... That would be great if it was.
0: Because I looked, and there's a scene where she's with the mayor's office, but, you know, they don't distinguish that it's, you know, simultaneously right, to the to the goblin action. So it Ooh, could be. And it, in
3: previous issues, when uh, goblins were fighting each other, there was a comment about Harry, and the goblin got really pissed off and screaming, don't say that about my, and they cut it off. Mm-hmm. So I kept thinking who else would have a relationship with Harry. Yeah. And... Yeah, Liz, that would be a good fit. I uh, hope you're right,
0: Paul. Yeah, I hope so, too. Which then would say, where is Norman Osborne? But honestly, do I care? Not really. I think if it is Liz,
3: Norman is still involved. I think he's still there. He's just not the one in the costume.
0: Maybe it's both. You know, maybe Norman's working for Liz, or maybe Liz, I don't know. But I, 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 I think we have a strong case for Liz Allen. So we'll see. Two more issues to go. Very exciting. So, Aaron... This may break this. This may break my heart. Yes, I think I'm switching to just buying Hawkeye and trade. Really, I think I am. Why is that, Paul? I just really don't care for the way in which they are releasing the issues. Uh huh. Um, this week's Hawkeye number seventeen was a fill-in issue. Uh huh. Or maybe it wasn't a fill-in issue. Maybe it was always planned this way, but it certainly feels like a fill-in issue, and an offensive one at that because it. Totally had nothing to do with a damn bit of anything. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, you know, so Hawkeye number 17, written, uh, drawn by Chris Eliopoulos, is basically the cartoon that Hawkeye watched during Christmas. And don't get me wrong, it has some funny callbacks to Hawkeye's life, but it has nothing to do with anything. Yeah, I hated this book. Hated it? I hated it so hard.
1: Um, I... You know, there's nothing that they do on the cover. You know, and I, I, despite the fact that we're a comics podcast, I do try not to read, you know, uh, what comes out in the Diamond Book and the solicits and whatnot because you get spoiled, right? Uh, and so, you know, the cover is uh, actually a, a, quite a lovely cover uh, of Hawkeye with the TV head. Um, and it's just, it's, it's very, very graphically rendered and, and, and I like the cover a great deal. Um, you have the first page and the 20th page by David Aja, or uh Aha! Um, (laughs) and then everything else is by Chris Eliopoulos. Now, you know, the Chris Eliopoulos, you know, little cartoony looking characters, uh, that are drawn like, you know, Saturday morning or a peanut special, those are fun. I would never have bought the book knowing that this was in here.
0: Um, you know, and here's the thing. They they did – I, I did read the solicits, and they did say this was, you know, the Chris Inleyopolis issue, and it's the story – you know, it's the cartoon that, you know, Hawkeye watches or whatever. And I was like, okay, but it can't be all that the issue is. Yeah, it's all that the issue is. Um, yeah, no, I, I get that it was my
1: bad that I didn't read the solicits. But you know, you're in the middle of a story where the last page of the last issue was uh, Clint and his brother getting shot all, you know, possibly to death, and then you throw in a fill in issue. I mean, that's very unacceptable.
0: I get yeah. fill in issues. And here's the thing, I do get I mean, fill in issues happen, delays happen. This fill-in issue was offensively unrelated to anything. You know, if they had shown Hawkeye lying in bed, you know, in in a coma, and you know, and they had an adventure of someone else, you know, in the you know, or a flashback or something, that would have been at least a better fill-in issue decision than this was.
1: Because
0: mm-hmm. uh, at least it would have had something to do with Hawkeye. This this was just terrible.
1: I hated this book. I really did. I hated this book. So yeah, I I understand your uh, decision to. Read it only in trade.
0: I would have um, rather they just delayed. Yeah, I mean, that's my thing is just don't release a book. Yeah, Especially yeah. since this issue came out a week or two after the last one. Uh huh. Just fucking wait. <laughs> well, <laughs> Give and, me and a regular book.
1: On the letters page, you
0: know, this was a, you know, the
1: the, the cartoon that he watches at Christmas is called Winter Friends, and the, hero, the, the characters in there are all, you know, different aspects of the holidays. So, you know, you've got, you know, a Jewish cat, you've got the Kwanzaa uh, crocodile or Kwanzaa gator, you know, you've got all these different, you know, uh, characters based around the different holidays of the season. And so in the letters page, it says, happy belated holidays. I know what you're thinking. A holiday special in February? You guys are mad delayed, maybe, or are we mad early? Think about it. And I appreciate that they think that shit's funny. I didn't.
0: I, I, I felt like I wasted my money. Yeah. Thanks for wasting my time and my money with this piece of shit. Yeah. And I think it's pretty funny to me who didn't buy it.
1: How about you, Tim? <laughs> uh, <it's>, uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> so, so that was quite objectionable. Um, but we still got a little Hawkeye action in the flavor of the Hawkeye action that I like to see. Yes, right. So, this week, Secret Avengers number one came out, and under a terrible, terrible, terrible cover that I am glad is not indicative of the art inside the book. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so, they, they got this guy, I think his name is Tradmore, um to do the uh, cover art for Secret Avengers, and it is entirely not indicative of the art inside the book by Michael Walsh.
1: And I, I don't understand why they they sought that cover over, you know, using the interior artist as the cover artist, because I preferred the art interior to the book, and usually it's the other way around.
0: Well, and it, it gives a different feel to the book than the book actually has. Right. Um, so, you know, written by Aless Coat, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right, um, the book is very much has this Hawkeye or Warren Ellis on Secret Avengers feel.
1: Well, and, and certainly a Matt Fraction feel from Hawkeye. I mean, not just in the artistic tone, but in the way the story is told and the way the characters are characterized. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I really dug, you know, the scenes with uh, Spider-Woman and Black Widow. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, you know, when Hawkeye comes crashing the party, I mean, the humor is very much the same. Yeah.
0: Especially, you know, you've got Little Hawkeye, who makes an appearance in this issue.
1: <laughs> well, and Little Spider-Woman.
0: And Little Spider-Woman, which was hilarious. Yeah. You know, and what we're talking about is, you know, Hawkeye
1: shows up naked, and so they've got the Little Hawkeye emblem over his boy parts, and at one point when Spider-Woman is fighting, her towel comes off, you know, because they're, they're at the spa getting massages when all this trouble breaks out, and... uh, uh
0: and and you know yeah. there's the a little, there's a little Spider Woman over yeah. the uh, lip, uh, yeah
1: now you know what when Black Widow and Spider Woman go for a massage they have their relaxing massage and then uh, the the secret door pulls away at the end of the massage and it's a gun range because that's also how they relax now did you notice Paul they got the gun range. And you've got, you know, at the end of the gun range, the targets are, you know, Electro, Dr. Doom, uh, Bullseye, the Green Goblin. I can't figure out who that other guy is. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but, you know, you've got all these weapons up on the wall. And then down at the bottom right-hand corner, you've got Hulk fists.
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs> kind of cracked me up. I I, I loved this first issue. Yeah, it was really good. Especially now, you know, so the Secret Avengers are uh, Agent Phil Coulson, uh, Nick Fury Jr., uh, Scarlet Witch, not Scarlet Witch, excuse me, uh, Black Black Widow, Spider Woman, Hawkeye, and MODOK.
1: Yeah, and MODOK is now working for uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. on a secret covert basis. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he, he, his, uh,
0: his his lab is called Modoc's Lair of Mad Science. <laughs> I love it because he's like Director Hill. Are you coming to the Lair of Mad Science? And she goes, Why would I do that? And he says, It is on the schedule. <laughs> and, you know, it's just like. You are scheduled to be here at the layer of bad science. Well, and I love that you
1: know you're, you, it, it gives you a flash of some of his experiments. So you know, in in there's this giant cylinder with a human skeleton in it floating in in, in some sort of liquid, and then it cuts away to the little rhesus monkey with a dome over his brain, mm-hmm. the mushrooms that are growing a gun, and the white
0: lab rat with a syringe strapped to his back. <laughs> <laughs> It's a uh, it, it, a big reason why you hired me, Hill, because I make things that kill people good. Yeah. yeah, no, I I I think this book was a lot of fun. Yeah, and, it, this is and this was another reason where reading this book was another reason I looked at Hawkeye and was and just shook my head. Yeah, you know because this is the hawk. This is exactly the type of characterization that you get from Hawkeye. Um, you know, just a little more superheroic, because Hawkeye is you know what he's doing when he's not superheroic. heroic. Um, I loved this book. Secret Avengers number one. Uh, it's the new volume. You can pick it up. You know, there were a couple of things that seemed like they were inherited from the previous volume, but I picked it up and I loved it.
1: Yeah. Um, poor Maria Hill in her hand. I know, right? I don't want to ruin that scene. It's I mean, just awesome. I mean, she's ready for the next solar eclipse, but, uh, you know. <laughs> she needs to, to slide
0: a little, uh, uh, you know. A little paper. Yeah, a little paper in there. And just, yeah. <laughs>
2: Ah, good times.
0: So, also out this week, um, and in the all new Marvel now, is Fantastic Four number two. And we didn't talk about the first issue. And I don't recall, oh, I think it was the episode we just ran long on some other topics. But I wanted to talk about number two because we didn't really have anything to say about issue one or issue two. Mm-hmm. And that, in and of itself, kind of means we have something to say about this book.
1: Yeah. Um,. You know, it's written by James Robinson and uh, drawn by Leonard Kirk and uh Kessel, and I love all three of those guys. You know, I do. I, I, I enjoy all three of those guys. But boy, I don't want to. I don't want to be uh, over. I don't want to be extreme in my comments about it. Uh, I don't hate the book, but I'm not dazzled by the book. And I had you know, I, when I was really looking forward to the first issue, and you know, the first issue didn't do much for me. Um, as a first issue, will do it. Asks a whole lot of questions. Uh, it set up a lot of a lot of conflict and mystery. And issue number two really didn't deliver on that. And you know, a, a lot of things are branded as you know this this is the day of the fall of the Fantastic Four, the sad bitter end of the Fantastic Four, to quote the book. Um, and it was uh, I, I just. I don't care, I think, is my problem.
0: Yeah, and Johnny Storm loses his powers. I mean, we've seen all of this before. Every yeah. single thing. Oh, the Fantastic Four have had a falling out. Oh, sh- no shit. That happened a couple of years ago in the Marvel Knights book, where right. they you know, where they were homeless, basically. Johnny Storm Johnny... loses his powers. Oh, we've seen that before, too.
1: And yeah, it... the Marvel Knights book was so bad. <laughs> well, I like the Marvel Knights book. I like that the first Marvel... story. Yeah, I like the Marvel Knights uh, book quite a bit, but... I think they missed the point, Don, on Fantastic Four. And it, sure, it's a family, you know, and you always have that family dynamic, but more importantly is that they're explorers. You know, they, they are, they are, you know, Reed Richards is really kind of Indiana Jones, right? I mean, he is, he is the guy who wants to go out and and see what that is and bring it back and show it to people. You know, he, he, he is certainly, he's a scientist, but he's also an explorer. There's a whole reason why they went up into space to begin with, you know? And while you had an element of that in the Matt fraction run, he went off the skids really fast in the way he was telling that story. It was just, it was a little too art house for the fantastic four, you know, the, 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 one of the writers who caught the Fantastic Four the best was John Byrne back in the day. You know, when the, you know, it's like, hey, let's just go see what the fuck's going on in the negative zone. You know, let's do that. That's, that should be cool. Let's put everybody in the RV and let's go to the negative zone. You know, I, I, those are the kind of stories that I enjoy in the Fantastic Four. Not when it's, you know, Reed has explored something he shouldn't have explored. You know, he's keeping secrets from the family, all of which are things that have taken place in every single run of the book in the last eight years. Mm -hmm. You know, Hickman explored that. Matt Fraction explored that. Mark Miller. Mark Miller explored that. I mean, it was all – and, you know, this whole thing is, you know, you've got these uh, creatures coming over from the Heroes Reborn universe. um, And, you know – uh, Reed Richards is thinking to himself. Hmm, I did create that portal so I could see what was going on over there. So again, it's all Reed Richards' fault.
0: Yeah, smartest man in the world, but he never learns from his own mistakes. The book is just exceptionally mediocre. Yeah. I mean, there is nothing about either issue that struck me as overly interesting, exciting, or good. Yeah. Um, you know, and we're an issue too. I mean, we're reading a book that's essentially on the scale of like a fear itself crossover. New York is getting destroyed by these creatures and heroes are coming out of everywhere to stop them. And I'm just like, eh, yeah, I mean, it, it, and I know I've said that about, um, you know, superior Spider-Man as well. Cause I mean, I get, you know, I read two, bo- a couple books this week where cities were getting destroyed. And this was one of them. I just had no, I had, I have no interest in reading issue three. It's not, again, not a bad book, not a, not, not a terrible book in the, in the slightest, but not really a good one either. Yeah.
1: So yeah. I'm out. I'm
0: out, and and
1: no explanation as to the change in their costumes. Yeah, why are they red now? I yeah, mean, it, when they've been blue all this time. I mean, it would just be nice for somebody to say, "Oh yeah, we decided to try a new look."
0: Yeah, I mean, like I get the white ones that Hickman uh, introduced for the FF. I mean, they were explained, right? You know, it was after Johnny died; they wanted to try something new. Blah 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 blah. But you know, now nothing. Yeah, yeah. So sorry, I gave it. I gave it two issues, and uh, I'm out. Yeah. Now another new book came out this week, we had two new books actually from Dynamite Entertainment, and let's start with Magnus Robot Fighter.
1: Now, I was
3: going to say to preface this, I was a big fan of the Valiant attempt at these gold key characters, mm -hmm. and uh, that's Magnus, Solar, uh, even Turok over there I really enjoyed, and this isn't the first time another company has tried to come back and capture the... uh, basically capture what either they did or what Gold Key originally did. And we've reviewed some of them on the uh, the podcast before. Yeah. And they've all been really bad.
1: Yeah, the, the Dark Horse effort at this uh, a year or two ago was exceptionally bad. You know, the, I, I I don't know if you recall how, how uh, bad Jim Shooter's efforts on Magnus Robot Hunter were, were but, you know, they're, they're – there wasn't a whole lot happening in the story that was worth talking about, and the artwork was awful. So we've got Fred Van Lente as the writer of this book. Uh, you, know, and you, you might remember Fred Van Lente from all the work he's done on Spider-Man with Dan Slott um, as well as his comic book History of Comics book. Well, and being on the podcast. And being on the podcast, yes, we have interviewed Mr. Van Lente before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's you, what he's really famous for. That is for being what, on on the podcast. And then you've got Corey Smith as the artist, and I'm not real familiar with Corey Smith, but I sure did enjoy his work here.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, I enjoyed this book. Oh my God, this book was. Oh great. yeah, I
1: thoroughly enjoyed this book.
3: I went in expecting to hate it, but I was uh, I flipped it and I was going to give it a shot anyway because how much I used to love Magnus. And I was so happy to enjoy this book.
0: Yeah. No, it was very enjoyable. Extremely well told. A different take on Magnus than I've seen in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, because it seems like he's a bit of the man-out-of-time thing. Right. Um. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. And more than, you know, because I was really worried after that Turok thing we read the other week.
1: Yeah, because Turok didn't work out for us. But, uh, wow, this was so good.
3: Yeah, I liked it enough that I'm gonna when they release their Solar issue coming up, mm-hmm. I'm gonna give that a shot. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, in yeah. April they're gonna do Solar Man of the Atom. Yep, and then they uh, they're also starting a Doctor Specter. I haven't decided yet on Doctor Specter, but I'm definitely giving Solar another chance.
0: I'll give
1: Doctor Specter a chance. I mean, it's got uh, Mark Wade writing it, so, so yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm I'm pretty excited about this. Uh, you know, Dynamite seems to be a good home. Uh, For these characters, and you know, I've been kind of hitting this on some stuff that Dynamite's done. Like, uh, I really did not much care for the uh, Kevin Smith Green Hornet, but uh, this is this is pretty cool. So, and you know, Dynamite really seems to have an appreciation for these pulp era and uh, you know, uh, '60s era comic book characters. So I'm excited.
3: They've done a good job in this issue of creating the world, and that's one of the key things that Magnus needs. Just the character himself isn't really that interesting. It's the character in his world that makes him interesting. Yeah. And they've created a good world for him. And the art is really fitting for the story. I love how uh, Legion looks. Yeah.
0: No, nope, I dug it. I yeah. dug it. So I'm, I'm on board for another issue. Now, yeah. Paul. Yes, sir.
1: I, uh, you know, I, I tapped in to read Six Million Dollar Man Season 6 season six, issue number one with me. Yes, you did. And you are not a, a, a Six Million Dollar Man fan. In fact, unless you unless something has changed over the last few weeks, you've not ever seen an episode of the Six Million Dollar Man.
0: I still have not. So, uh, Paul, yes? how'd this work out for you? Eh? I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I it didn't really. Um, you know, Six Million Dollar Man, season six, number one. Now, here's the thing. If they recreate the uh, the iconic intro to the TV show to let you know who he is, but that's it? So they have a whole bunch of other characters who I don't know who they are um, without so much as really an introduction or an explanation of who they are. Um, here's the thing. That being said, I still enjoyed a good portion of the book. Mm-hmm. My issues with it are more, you know, I mean, like, I didn't necessarily need to know the entire history of some of these characters. I'll figure it out, I'm, I'm sure. Um my issues were more really with the art. And I agree. There, there's, a,
1: there's, a, there's a couple of the uh, art concerns that I had. Um, like, for instance, there is a meeting uh, back, at the, uh, back at the White House and – I'm sorry, at the Pentagon. And you've got these MPs standing in front of the door as you know, folks are going in for this big budget meeting. And the MPs really kind of look like they're reject village people. You know, they, 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 you know, they're they these gigantic muscular men, and their shirts are open to about midway on their chest. And uh, two things. One, I've never seen an MP like that in real life. They're generally, you know, officially wearing their uniforms, you know, up to snuff. And this book is supposed to follow, like, this is, you know, season six after the show ended in season five. You know, picking up the story, picking up the characters, and it's supposed to provide you that feel. And certainly, uh, Steve Austin was not just a, a colonel in the Air Force and an astronaut. He was also the colonel of the leisure sh- Leisure Leisure suits. I'm sorry. I think I'm having a stroke. Um, but, <laughs> do you smell you know, toast? I do. I do. A delicious, delicious toast. Um, but, you know, he was the guy who, who wore kind of the outlandish stuff because, you know, he was, he was, he was you know, keeping it real. But the rest of everybody else wore their uniforms as appropriate. And so it struck me a little bizarre that we have the, uh, these MPs who don't really look like they're standing at attention. They look like they're posing. Um,
0: and that really bothered me. I, um, I agree with that. And I also think that there are some artistic choices during – there's a scene where Steve Austin, not Stone Cold – with the $6 million man, Steve Austin, right. is um, fighting a bunch of sharks. Uh huh. He is SmackDown. He's laying the SmackDown on some candy ass sharks. Right. I mean, like, he, 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 <laughs> he, 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 he fucking does a flying kick out of the ocean <laughs> into a shark. And don't get me wrong, it's silly as shit. And it could be work, and it, and it absolutely could work. But the art didn't sell it enough for me. No. Well, and the the artwork like there's a, there's a scene I
1: had a scene that did work is when and by the way these aren't just sharks these are great whites by the way <laughs> correct. Um. And so this great white you know just crunches down on his bionic arm right. And so you know you see it where it's ex- you know the 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 insides of the arm are exposed yada yada. Um. And so that really pisses Steve Austin off, so he starts beating the shit out of the sharks. And does he jump over one of them at any point? Well, he does do this leap out of the water.
0: (laughs) With the sound Um, effect.
1: (laughs) 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 But, yeah, they they actually document the bionic sound effect. But the thing that I find very amusing about it is that he does a leap out of the water, and the water is diving depth. Yes. Yes. So I'm like, and the whole time I'm like, what is he jumping off of? He's not jumping off of anything. He's he has <laughs> apparently bionically, you know, generated his legs such that he can, you know, shove himself out of the water. Uh, and the shark is doing the same thing. The shark, you know, they're, they're jumping at each other, and that's when you know uh, Steve Austin Butterfly kicks him and you know beats the tar out of him. Uh, it's just it could have been a really nice scene, as Paul said if the artwork had supported it, Um, and it sadly
0: didn't. Now, that said, I did very much enjoy the book, and I'm in for issue two. I'll pick up issue two with you. I mean, despite the fact that I was a little lost, I mean, I I got enough out of it to understand where the story was and who the characters were Uh enough. Um, But yeah, I'll pick up the second issue. I,
1: I do think the book would have benefited from an interior cover, just telling you the story so far.
0: Or the characters, you know, here's, you know, Ryan, he does blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: No, I I think so, too. I I think that that the story would have benefited from that. Um, What I was very amused by that that a villain that they're, you know, they they have put into season six of the comic um, is Maskatron. And Maskatron is a character that was developed for the toy line, never appeared in the show um and he is he it, the the character that appeared in the show that resembles Maskatron was this other android but they never called him that and he he has the ability to put on a new face you know and then mysteriously his whole body looks appropriate to the person <laughs> he's impersonating um and so the 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 character of Maskatron appears uh in the books and they're like okay well we're going to pitch our android idea to to uh the office of of uh of um, is at the Office of Scientific uh, – it's uh, the OSI, whatever the hell it is. Yeah. Uh, um, Office of Scientific Investigations, I think. But, yeah, we're, we're going to p- pitch the name. What's the name of, of the android? mascotron We are absolutely not pitching Maskatron to the OSI.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll call him number one. <laughs> a, I enjoyed it. And it sounds like, as a fan, you enjoyed it as well.
1: I did. I did. I, I, it it, it isn't perfect, um, and there were moments – yeah, I'm a huge I, – I, I'll admit it. I'll own it. I'm a huge $6 million man geek, um, and I have some of the same issues with this that I often have with Star Trek comics and novels where the characters don't sound right to me, you know, where it's like I feel like as a fan I'm more connected to the source material than the writer is. Um, and, and so there were moments where Steve where Steve Austin's talking, and I'm like, that's not how he talked. And that's certainly not how he behaved. Uh, but there's enough of it there. there. There's enough of a through line that, 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 that will bring me back for issue two. Well,
0: very there. cool. Well, this week on ideologyofmadness.com, there will be the third episode. We, we have Hawkeye release schedule going on this one of uh, Batman with Aaron and Polly. And uh, this week's episode, you know, we'll, we'll be releasing it in time for March Madness because it is Arkham March Madness where we take uh, Batman's greatest villains and pit them up against each other and come out with one winner on top. Had a lot of fun recording that the other day.
2: He, there was, it was fun, but I think friendships were lost a little bit. <laughs> gonna, guess, yes. Some feelings were hurt. Yeah.
0: There may have been a rivalry started. Yeah. Oh dear. Uh-huh. <laughs> and in addition to that, you know, uh, continuing through this episode, and it started with the last episode of Batman with Aaron and Polly. Um, we have a Batman contest going on. Uh, you give us a call at nine seven two seven six three five nine zero three, and give us you know some comments, feedback, uh, suggestions for future Batman episodes, um, and one lucky winner will receive a copy of Batman, or excuse me, Beware the Batman, season one, part one, either on DVD or Blu Ray. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. So, Paul, what's coming out next week? Oh, that is a very good question that I was not prepared for this week for some <laughs> freaking reason. Um, comic books are coming out. So, Bye. next yeah. I, I love comic books, but there are more new comic books, including Avengers World Number Four, Daredevil Number One, um, which is the new uh, Mark Wade Chris Somney volume of Daredevil, Superior Spider-Man Annual Number Two comes out. Uh, the second issues of uh, the Thor God of Thunder new storyline uh, by uh, Jason Aaron and S F Rebic, as well as Winter Soldier, uh, Bitter March, number two, comes out. Uh, from DC Comics, we have Batman and Aquaman, number 29. So we have, the, you know, the start of the new Batman and uh, arc on that book, as well.
2: Batman and Aquaman?
0: It's Batman and Aquaman, because it was Batman and Two-Face for, like, the last six issues, I think, or last five issues,
2: Batman and Wonder Woman. uh, It's, it's,
0: I think, Batman and Aquaman, then Batman and Wonder Woman, then Batman and Rachel Ghoul, or something like that. It's a multi punch storyline. From Dark Horse Comics, Hellboy, the first 20 years hardcover, celebrating 20 years of Hellboy um, with some new art from Mike Mignola and just a celebration of the character. I'm really looking forward to that hardcover. I think it's going to be really uh, good looking. And, um, you know, from Image Comics, Saga. Uh, volume three trade paperback. If you've been following that story in trade paperback, that comes out next week, and of course, plenty of other good stuff. Very exciting. Mm-hmm.
1: Alrighty, guys. So well, have a good week, oh. and uh, Paul. Yes, sir. That rascal. You should think about investing in one. That's all I have to say.
0: <laughs> have a good week.
1: Bye, everybody.
2: Well, no, I won't. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>